Welcome back to another episode of the Bad Signal Podcast. What's up, everybody? It is Friday, August 19th. We're getting through the dog days of summer, inching closer to the start of NFL season. And on today's episode, I decided, listen, since we've only got three divisions left in our tackling of all of the NFL divisions to preview before the season kicks off, just a week after Labor Day, listen, I got to break down the NFC East team by team because there's just way too much to cover all at once we got the cowboys we got the eagles we got the giants and on today's episode we got the team formerly known as the redskins i don't know if that's a sin to say that (laughs) the washington commanders and jp finley maryland terrapins alum good friend of mine down at NBC sports in Washington. Um, he has everything, his nose to the ground on everything, Washington commanders. So he's going to give you a little preview of what he thinks about the preseason and his expectations for Carson Wentz and how Ron Rivera is really cramping down on the team. I keep saying this on every episode. You've got to keep your ears peeled for those fantasy football sleepers. And guess what, guys? Huge announcement on the Bad Signal podcast. We have welcomed Underdog Fantasy as a partner for the Bad Signal podcast through NFL season. We are ecstatic about this partnership. And I let me tell you, not only are we going to cover the fantasy landscape soup to nuts this upcoming season, but Underdog Fantasy is going to allow you to draft your fantasy dream team But all season long, we are going to be giving you visual elements as well on my TikTok, on the Bad Signal Podcast Instagram. We are going to be giving away prizes, fantasy draft specials. I mean, we got you covered. So don't worry. Everyone that wants to hit me up and say, Courtney, hey, what do you think about this lineup? Listen, we're going to have it all in the podcast. I used to want to make a t-shirt when I worked at NFL Network that says, It is not my job to set your fantasy lineup. Well, now when people come to me and asking me for fantasy advice, I'm just going to direct you right to underdog fantasy. And right now, if you sign up with the code Courtney, we will double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars in bonus cash. Get on the platform underdogfantasy.com slash Courtney. That is an order from the host of the bad signal podcast. We're going to be doing a huge Best Ball Mania 3 tournament. Basically, it's a fantasy football draft. My buddy Joey Molinaro, who used to work at Barstool Sports, he was also on this podcast. I mean, dude makes the funniest videos ever. We are going to be doing a live show to pick our fantasy football lineups, Best Ball Mania 3, on Tuesday night at 8 o'clock Eastern time. Eastern time, because he's over there in Indianapolis with Central time. But we want to get you guys in the game. So do me a favor, once again, go over to underdogfantasy.com slash Courtney and get in the game with us. Of course, Better Edge is still around. We still got lots of great stuff going on with Better Edge as well. They have just finally implemented the copy and the fade button. So if I'm going to post my picks, which I will during the regular season, going to post my picks on betteredge.com, you can copy or you can fade right on the dot. So again, same code, Courtney, sign up, betteredge.com. Listen, we're not going to overdo it with the ads, but we are so excited to have both of these partners on our platform for the upcoming season. It's going to be exciting because you know what? We're going to give you so much more. Without further ado, I won't waste any more of your time. 
Here is J.P. Finley on the Commanders. Welcoming in a Maryland graduate as well, the great J.P. Finley from NBC Sports Washington. Correct? Did I get that correct? Yes. You did. You did. Go Terps. Go Terps. Covers the Commanders down there. He has his nose to the ground on everything. And as we embark... On our final NFC division here in the NFC East, there's just too much to cover. So, JP, I'm just going to give you the uh, the the honorary task of breaking down everything that's going on with the Washington Commanders. But speaking of Maryland Terrapins, first of all, uh, the Big Ten signed a new TV rights deal, $8 billion over seven years. So each school will reportedly get $75 million annually. annually. We're swimming is- in the money. I mean, dude, I – Grew up with Maryland in the ACC, and the Big Ten has always felt like a little foreign. And I think for a lot of Big Ten people, Maryland being in the Big Ten feels a little weird. But damn, I'm happy to be there because it sure looks like the Big Ten and the SEC are just going to pull away from everything else. And everybody else is just going to be kind of like grabbing for table scraps. So better yeah. to be on the, the big ship that that is headed somewhere than perhaps a sinking ship. What are your thoughts on super conferences? I know that this has just long since been something down the line. I've been hearing about super conferences maybe for the last like five years that they'll eventually dissemble. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with, you know, the smaller military schools, Conference USA. I mean, there's so many smaller divisions and Mac and um, all of that stuff. But um, really just like the it's really the Big 12, the SEC, Big 10. And the ACC, uh, is that kind of like where you think that this is heading in the same direction? Just given all of the numbers and and um, the TV rights deals, because you know that when it comes down to college football, the TV rights run run the show here. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I don't know, man. I, I think the Big Ten and the SEC are going to move so far ahead. And I think both of those leagues will get to 20 teams. Um the SEC, like the geographic footprint, seems to kind of matter, and it, I guess mm-hmm. it makes sense. It's the Southeastern Conference, um, so maybe they just try to. It'd be easy for them to maybe pick off. Maybe it's Clemson, Carolina, UVA, yeah. and Georgia Tech, or something. Mm-hmm. But and then they keep their footprint. But you know, I, I think a couple of these West Coast teams are pretty valuable. I think. I think. Notre Dame holds so many cards if they were ever to actually yeah. join the conference. Yeah. Um, I would think North Carolina and UVA are, are, are pretty valuable just because they're the only actual like state, you know, they're, those are big states with big populations that you try to get. Mm-hmm. But I, I would not want to be in the PAC 12, the ACC or the, the big 12 seems to kind of have stabilized and there's like 8 million colleges in Texas that, people pay attention to so i i don't know i i think obviously the sec and the big 10 are like far ahead i think yeah. the big 12 might be like the next kind of most stable yeah even though they're about to lose texas and oklahoma and then out west seems like it's a mess like they have bad tv deals the acc i mean if you're saying 75 mil a, a team for the big 10 annually for each school i think the acc is getting like 30 yeah you can't keep up in that kind of I don't know. I was under the impression that when Maryland switched over that they were in the process of revet renovating. I still haven't gone to check out that new um, uh, training facility that was like so far in advance. I mean, it's like it's like Jerry's world, but in College Park uh, for the Terps football team and Coach Locks over there. But I had kind of been under the impression that 
the numbers, it wasn't necessarily it was 30. I think it was more like 60 or 90. And now that they went over to the Big Ten, it was the, the number projection was jumping up about 30 million. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And do, the facilities are awesome. Um, they turned Cole Fieldhouse into a football facility. They're building like a new football team facility. I um, I mean, you know, I don't this is an analysis from a personal standpoint. What I want, I want the Big Ten to add like UVA and Carolina or NC State and Virginia Tech, like whatever yeah. teams they need to make, and then have like an eastern division where it'd be Penn State, Maryland, Rutgers, Virginia Tech, and NC State for talking yeah. sake. Yeah. Because Penn State's probably going to win that division in football eight out of ten times, but at least Maryland is competing <laughs> with the like Maryland playing Ohio State and Michigan every year, and Penn oh, State yeah. brutal. And and they Loxley's doing a good job with that program. They're recruiting well, but it's just I mean you're. I don't know. It's really difficult. Yeah. I mean, it's just deja vu all over again. It's almost like, Hey, they're doing well for the first few weeks. And then they start to hit a conference schedule. And then it's just like all the way down there, all the way downhill from here. My bunch of my people are over at better edge. They're Iowa graduates. So, you know, I get, I get that uh, kick in the mouth every time that Maryland has now played Iowa, especially last year. Um, They were five and oh coming into that and some momentum. (laughs) Oh, they got smoked in the first half. I was so confident. I was like, all right, I guess this will be uh, just part of a little promotional gig. Well, JP Finley, I want to get you in here to talk about some of the things you have been at Commander's Camp. First of all, how has it been back in the fold with Commander's Camp? I see you, uh, you know, packing your bags with your lunch and, you know, you're getting a real getting a real joy out of that. But um, is Antonio Gibson kind of struggling with his camp? It makes, uh, this seems like an appearance that, they're using him as a special teams blocker. I mean, is that more of just a, a temporary punishment or humbling or what, what's going on with, with, um, with Gibson? Yeah. I mean, the, the situation is fumbles. Uh, he led non quarterbacks with six fumbles last season and it was a problem. And the team really tried to be like, you know, careful and cautious and, and not publicly blast him for putting the ball on the ground last season, but then so far this offseason, they spent a third-round pick on a kid out of Bama, Brian Robinson, who was a, a good runner and also extremely careful with the football. In five years at Bama, he never had a fumble, ever. Yeah. Um, and then the worst thing that could happen was Gibson fumbled in the preseason opener, and it like it, it flipped a switch like that. Robinson came in the next series, looked yeah. really good, and this week at practice, Gibson's been running with the twos, Gibson all of a sudden's working as a kick returner, which he did really well at college in Memphis a few years ago. But like you only start working him as a kick returner. If you're not as worried, your starting running back would never be your kick returner. Yeah. Like you, you, you have a different vision of his role. So you're willing to let him try some other stuff, which I think could work better for the commanders. Honestly, um, Robinson's a natural runner. He knows when to press holes. He knows when to plant his foot and get north. Gibson played wide out in college, and they were trying to convert him, and it, that conversion never came full circle. And then you throw the the fumbling problems on top, and maybe it's premature. I, I think Gibson's still going to be a big part of this team, but it's uh, it, it's trending a poor. It's trending the wrong. Uh, it's trending a great way for Robinson, and not so for Gibson. Yeah, J.D. McKissick is kind of in the clear, at least for people that are keeping their eyes on the oh, yeah. situation. Very, J.D. McKissick, it's, 
it's majority of the uh, of the of the reports that I've been reading from the beat writers up there is that McKissick and Robinson have kind of um, taken a taken a stronghold in the first and two, second team reps. McKissick's role is is just so defined as kind of that third string, the, the third down back. Um, anytime they go turbo or up tempo, they call it their turbo package. Like if, if it's a two minute drill situation or they get down anytime they're in like obvious passing situations, it'll be McKissick. Um, he's, he's really good in pass pro and he's got great hands. He, I think it go back two years ago, Gibson's a rookie. They had Peyton Barber, who's just kind yeah. of a veteran knock around guy and McKissick. I think if you look at that usage, I think you could see a similar usage this season between the three, but I, I think we're tracking towards a place where Robinson is the leading ball carrier. Okay. Great to know. Putting that on the, uh, on the notepad ahead of the season, you know, we got some fantasy drafts. Are you big with fantasy football? Yeah, dude. I mean, I do it. I mean, I, I remember I have one league that goes back to, high school like when we had to wow on mondays we would buy the usa today and like hand score it like way back before it was all online so yeah i love that stuff i, I do it i think antonio gibson is going to start falling in some drafts i think brian robinson is going to start rising in some drafts and i'd want to get robinson if i could okay that sounds good let's talk about the quarterback out there carson wentz um it looks like he's been pretty in command in the offense i know that you can't really judge anything on the first game didn't really get a lot of reps, but, you know, he was really reluctant to throw downfield in that first game. But what can we expect going up against uh, Kansas City Chiefs secondary? Um, I mean, I, we'll see. Uh, one quarter or one or two series. Or what can you what can you expect to see from from Wentz in this offense? I mean, and how does he look in camp and um, in terms of his connection with the wide receivers? He's looked pretty good. Um He's had some stinkers. He's had a couple of bad days, but by and large, he's looked pretty good. He looked good slash fine in the first preseason game. He was 10 of 13, not a lot down the field, like you said, but highly accurate. Um, I think he's going to play the first half. Okay. But they have a lot of – I think the offensive line, if it was week one, I think a lot of these guys would be playing. But I think because it's preseason, they're not. Mm-hmm. So – I think you're going to see like a some version of an offensive line that is very far from the starting version. And so if so, if, if, if something happens that Wentz is taking a bunch of shots that mm-hmm. like the line just can't block, then I think Ron would maybe pull him earlier than yeah. halftime. Um, but I, I, Ron wants his starters to play about a half. That's the plan. We'll, we'll kind of see what happens. As for the wideouts, it's going well. They drafted a first-round rookie in this kid, Jahan Dotson, out of Penn Jahan State. Dotson. My next question, yeah. He's looked overall. He he's looked really good. He's got great hands, good speed. Um, shorter guy, but long arms, big catch radius. Um, he has a. It seems like the chemistry with him and Wentz is really good. Uh, Terry McLaurin's obviously the guy they paid a lot of money to. He got a seventy-one million dollar contract extension this offseason. He's pretty established. You know, three years, three thousand yard seasons. Um, I I expect Terry to still be their top wideout. Curtis Samuel's kind of the wild card. He, a dynamic player, um, kind of a different skill set than most typical running backs, uh, most typical wideouts in that he almost is like a Debo light in that Mm -hmm. he can line up in the backfield and take carries for you. Um, But injuries have been a concern his whole career. Last year, you know, Washington signed him to a a pretty 
good size free agent contract where he's making like 13 mil a year and he had six catches all of last season. Wow. So they, they want to see a lot more out of him. Um, I'm, I'm kind of taking a wait and see approach with Curtis. Like I, I need to see him play for a month steady. Yeah. And if that happens, they really have a player, but like the injury stuff has just always been a problem. Yeah. That kid Dotson, he's also not not afraid to get physical in the ground game as well. I mean, like, you know, utilizing him as as a blocker down the line. I mean, this kid likes to get his hands dirty. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, certainly willing, right? Like all, all any sort of effort or um kind of mindset stuff is there, but he's smaller. I, I, yeah. I, I bet he's listed at 5'11", two bills. And he's oh, probably- so he's like Ramondre Stevenson small. Odd job. Yeah. But like he'll try, he'll he'll he's he's certainly willing. But if it, if it was me, I wouldn't have a heck of a lot designed for him to have to muck it up with like a linebacker or anything. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, there was something that happened a couple of weeks ago that really shocked a lot of the NFL world, where the uh, Commanders fired their defensive line coach Sam Mills, and it was um, I mean, this early in the season, you had said that you had written something over the last few uh, weeks, or just basically back in January, I believe that you had written something uh, for NBC Sports Washington about um, the connection with Sam Mills and a lot of the defensive line players didn't really get along with him. Why was this firing so shocking um, as to the NFL world? I mean, because usually you don't, you don't see someone getting yeah, fired early in camp. Just bizarre. Um, the, the move makes a ton of sense. I wrote back in January that that would be a staff change I would make, or I would expect to be made. And, and yeah. they invested a ton of draft capital. I mean, they have a, a lot of first round picks on their D line. They've, you know, they gave John Allen a fat contract extension. He's making 17 mil a year. They have a lot of supposed talent on that front line that just didn't produce. And yeah. Whether Mills is wrong on technique or schematics or just not connecting with the players, like you gotta try to maximize that asset. And I think it wasn't happening. But for it to happen on, I think it was August 9th or yeah, something. Yeah, it was real early. It's just weird. Like yeah. that, that 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 either happens in January or February or it doesn't happen. Like yeah. and there's a bunch of conspiracy theories in town, but who the hell knows the truth? Yeah. It's hard, hard to believe there wasn't some sort of spark or, or some sort of incident um I, I will say i think it's a step a positive step for the organization i think players really like assistant d-line coach jeff scanina that's yeah. over so we'll see um I, I also think there's like a little bit like ron rivera is a super loyal dude he brought sam mills up here from charlotte mm-hmm. uh, I, I think I think Ron is approaching things a little bit differently this offseason, firing Mills. He's been a lot more direct with criticism of players and coaches than he has in the past. I mean, even something like benching Gibson for Robinson. I think Ron recognizes the pressure this season brings after mm-hmm. two straight seven-win seasons and kind of an apathetic fan base. They need a win. And yeah. he went out and got Carson Wentz, who plenty of people have plenty of questions about. So, like, I think he recognizes that pressure on a lot of ways. Absolutely. How's our guy Chase Young doing? Recovering. Yeah, I mean, well, is, he, is he back to full form or are no, he's status? on the buff list? I, I do think there's a national misconception about Chase that, like, I don't think he's gonna play till like Halloween. Like, I, really? I think it's, I think it's, 
I think he's going to open the season on the pup, which means at least the first four games. Yeah. Um, and I Chase Young is an incredibly gifted athlete, wildly, wildly explosive. Yeah. When he gets back and he gets right, I think he'll be a dominant player. But like when he gets back is step one. When he gets right yeah. is that next step. And guys return from injuries. And then they return to form. And very rarely is is there not some time in the middle where they're kind of like learn like relearning their body and, and figuring out how everything feels after the injury. So I, I think I don't know. I I think it's worthwhile to temper expectations for Chase this year. But I know nationally there's this perception that like Washington's defense is really good and Chase Young's the leader of it. And if you watch the games last year or really just look at the statistics, the, the numbers don't bear that out. Yeah, Commanders finished 31st in uh, opponents' conversion rate on thirds downs it's awful. last year. And it, dude, they, they got the for itself. They couldn't get Baker Mayfield off the field in the first preseason game. Yeah. And, and that's a Panthers offense that nobody's, you know, confusing with the 2000 Rams. And they didn't have Christian McCaffrey or DJ Moore. So, like, I forgive my uh, reluctance to be fired up about the, the Commanders' defense. I, I need to see that happen. Carolina finished 11 of 18 on third down during that first preseason game against Baker Mayfield. But uh, was it a concern that only like four linebackers got into that game? I mean, I feel like they weren't really playing a lot of their guys, the linebacker room. Um, I mean, the, Carolina was having a tremendous amount of, of success passing in the middle of the field. Um, have wide open spaces. That's, that's the worst thing that you could do for they, a football team. They played who they could. I mean, the linebacker group, is it's a humble group is a great phrase charlie casserly taught me it's a humble group at linebacker i love he's charlie casserly how's he doing he's, i haven't seen him this this summer but he's the last i saw him he's great um yeah. they invested a first round pick last year in jamin davis a linebacker out of kentucky 19th overall pick yeah they really need him to show up this year that didn't happen his rookie season doesn't mean it can't happen now but it did not happen last year um outside of that cole holcomb is, is probably like the leader at that group and he's a good player. He's nothing special. And there's zero depth. Um, I think corner, there's no depth. I, I like their starting two corners, uh, William Jackson and Kendall Fuller. I, I worry about the rest of the position. Danny um, Johnson, just a, is something to be concerned about. He's having a good camp, but like he's probably a sixth year player now that is probably a fringe roster guy on a really good defense. Yeah. Um, he's been a fringe roster guy in Washington. So um, I, I like the safeties. I like the top of the D line, but I, I, I don't know. I think Jack Del Rio has the most pressure on him of anybody not named Carson Wentz this season. Let's talk positive. What's going on with my guy Heineke? No, no. <laughs> you gotta give you gotta give me some positive here, JP. Like, I, uh, what 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 can we what can we boast about for the Commanders' upcoming football season? They have a really bad schedule. I think they can win nine games. Okay. I, I do. I think their offense. I mean, Heineke is now a, in a clear backup role to Carson. Yeah, no, um, I mean that's that's good. I mean, dude, he almost beat Tom Brady. He almost beat Tom Brady in the playoff game, man. Likable guy, incredibly likable. Um, you know, just. I, I do think there are some like arm strength questions and, and everybody gets caught up on deep shots. That's not the issue. It's the quick passing game and being able to beat NFL corners to 
the sideline and mm-hmm. and that's something that has been limited in this offense and something they need especially on uh on third downs and short quick stuff um but here's your here's your positive right i think every nfl coach and certainly ron rivera you can pick out criticisms you can you can criticize clock management um you know play calls decisions on third downs decisions on fourth downs all those things for Ron Rivera, you add on that he's also in charge of personnel. And so mm-hmm. you can certainly criticize personnel decisions, right? Yeah. You, you, most people in the NFL, you can, you can do that. Mm-hmm. What you can't question Rivera on is his ability to motivate and reach his players. That's something he's done throughout his career. That's something he's been able to maintain in Washington. Yeah. And I think he'll be able to do that this season. They have a really pretty weak schedule. I think there's a path to like eight wins just by not just by showing up. I mean, if they split with the division, by all accounts, the Giants are a mess. They play the Texans, the Falcons, the Lions, the Bears, um, the Jaguars in the opener. They I mean they could open two and zero for the first time in a long time. Wow. So and, and if you look at Carson Wentz's history, that the commanders won seven games last year with Taylor Heineke as their starter, right? Carson Wentz historically get rid of 2017 because that's a ghost that isn't coming back. The, the the incredible year get mm-hmm. rid of 2020 because that was Carson going through a meltdown in Philadelphia yeah. where things were just going terrible and, and his stats were terrible look at the rest of his career and there's a baseline of about 3,800 pass yards 62 percent completion percentage and a three to one TD three to one TD to INT ratio yeah so like I think if Washington gets that version, I think they win nine games and get a wild card. Okay. I think that's good. That's my positive. <laughs> that's your positive. What do you think about Riverboat Ron? Do you How did he get that nickname again? I should have asked Mike Silver. It was on my show a couple weeks ago. Riverboat um, Ron. The story is when he was with the Panthers, either his first year or his first two years, he was super conservative on a lot of, you know, punting or, or going for it situations. And he had this meeting with John Madden uh, before he passed, obviously there's a number yeah. of years ago. And Madden was like, he's like, man, in those situations, you can't worry what the right call is. You just got to trust your gut. And you played this game a long time. You know what the right call is. Yeah. So ever since then, he said he's decided to just be way more aggressive. And I think the riverboat Ron thing just started either like fans saying it or maybe an announcer said it, but then in Carolina Rivera, like at, when things started to go really well for the Panthers and they yeah. started, they went to the Super Bowl and winning the division and all that. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he's, he, he, I think he like you lended that name to some fundraising efforts to like raise money for, I think um, ASPCA was a big thing they did in the Ronald McDonald house. Yeah. And so it kind of just started to grow. And now anytime they go for it on fourth down, everybody just shouts riverboat Ron riverboat Ron, his daughter's named is Courtney. He has one daughter and her name is Courtney. So, you know, that's why I love him. That's your connection. It's a good, it's a good name. I don't think I've, I don't think I ran into him during the, I mean, for for the many coaches and staff personnel and GMs, I don't think I ran into him during the, owners meetings back in 2016 and 17 when I was at the network, but um, 
JP, what can you say about, and I don't, again, I don't want to finish on a bad note, but I have to ask about the owner, Dan Snyder. I thought this was the penultimate moment of Dan Snyder's career where he was being subpoenaed by Congress. However, he refused to get back on land. He was spending weeks and weeks on his yacht so that he would not be subpoenaed by the Congress. And someone on Twitter was like, Describe to me what penultimate means. I said, listen, penultimate, what's the ultimate? That like Dan Snyder continues to out Dan Snyder himself. That's that's why this is the penultimate POS move by the owner, the commander's owner. Um, it's crazy. What has gone wrong and wrong and worse and worse for for his franchise? What, what are your thoughts? Uh, what matters most here anyway is people want to know, like, will they force him out? I don't expect that. I don't think so. I don't expect him to sell. I, I don't really expect any major changes, honestly. Um, obviously, the behavior that was tolerated or perhaps, depending what you believe, instigated or participated in was abhorrent. And, you know, to their credit, they have cleaned house since. I mean, they've overhauled everything there. Um, they haven't made a lot of – the business operations are still kind of a mess, frankly. Mm -hmm. But yeah. like at least, you know, women don't fear walking in the building. Like they, like that bar was so low, but they have at least stepped that bar up. Yeah, um, it's going to be fascinating. If uh, I did not see Dan at the preseason opener, um, that does not mean he wasn't there. But I know I didn't see him. Um, I mean, just because DC is such a political town, the sense that I get when I talk to smart people that know politics is that the house oversight committee that is leading this investigation that subpoenaed him, all those things mm -hmm. that is expected to switch parties, switch Ooh. leadership um, this fall. Okay. And when, when that happens, a lot of this is expected to go away. Um, so I think there's just some kind of riding out the storm. Um, but yeah, dude, Rivera for the first time has publicly is like telling the truth that everybody knows. He's like, yeah, it's a distraction to coach a football team that the owner's staying in international waters so that he can't be served a subpoena. Like what the hell? It's like, it sounds like a, a villain in a bond film. <laughs> he can't. It's just, uh, oh my God. Well, hopefully things will get better down like there. Like Washington, man. I man, yeah. Listen, it's just like Washington. Welcome Rain Wayne Rooney to the DC United. I mean, like right. the corrupt get more corrupt. I mean, um, have you have you seen DC United's record? Man, you know they're, what? They're like in super last place. I, you know, I, I I can't give you a heck of a lot on the on DC United. Hopefully they. they no, won. it's it's totally okay. That was kind of an off the cuff comment. We were talking about corrupt people, and I was like, "Welcome, Rain, Rain Rooney, to Washington DC." Well, um, JP, where can we where can we find you? Where can we find your work? Um, happy birthday to B Mitch. He just he left. All of um, Yeah. Did he no. get his nomination to the Hall of Fame? No, so he has to wait now for the seniors committee, um, which I think you have to have not played for 25 years. And so he played his last season with the Giants, I think it was 03, I think. 
so that he won't be up for the senior committee till 28. Well, you know, this I, is, I, I mean, what number three overall in all number purpose two. yards, number two overall in all purpose yards, our buddy Brian Mitchell, who does so much for the community down there in the DMV. Um, that's just the truth of the matter, I, I firmly think is that the commanders and the Reds, their, their predecessor of the Redskins have become such a black eye for the NFL that they're deserving players from their glory years. Their Hall of Fame candidacy is impacted. Joe Jacoby was a tackle in the 80s that won three Super Bowls in Washington. Um, like Lawrence Taylor says, Joe Jacoby is the only guy that could block me one on one. He was rated the 1980s. You know how they do those team of the decade? Jacoby yeah. on that team. Yeah. Somehow he can't get in. Uh, B Mitch can't get in. You can make the case now receiver numbers are going to get so inflated, but like Art Monk, when he retired, was the all time catches leader and he couldn't get in for years and years and years. Like something's going on that people from Washington don't get in. And I don't know. Hopefully that changes. Yeah, for Sometime sure. Soon. All right, JP. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Hopefully I'll be in, um, in Washington. At some point early in the season, maybe we'll host a, you know, a. What, what was your spot? Dirty water. Dirty water. Yes. Yeah, we'll go over there. On New Street. Oh my God. I I think when I went there and we had that event for Gambit DC when we were doing this stuff last year, um, they got me so College Park drunk. I I was, <laughs> I, was, I, was um, I was I was doing like I was sitting on shoulders at the bar drinking this like mixed. I had a Long Island iced tea shot out of a Red Bull can. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this would be such trouble if I lived here. So That's luckily, awesome. uh, luckily, I chose Miami over um, over Washington, D.C. Probably hotter here than it is there. I, I agree. I agree. I also did a, a Major League Lacrosse tournament in, in uh, the Naval Academy back in, in late, late July. That was probably one of the worst the worst experiences of heat stroke of my life. So. Cooking hot. Yeah, man. Welcome to DC in the summer. Yeah, that's why you got to go down to the shore. All right, JP, thank you for the time. Appreciate you. Fun. Go Commanders. Yeah, go Commando. Go commando.